I appreciate you and the leadership of this house for allowing me this opportunity to just come stand before you. Uh, Clayton has never heard me preach, but it takes a man of God to allow someone to come and speak to his children. And that makes me feel very humbled that I am standing before you. I'm not a better preacher than him, but I'm a fellow soldier standing side by side with him to make sure the kingdom uh, assignment that God has given both of us continues. Yeah, we met in God. I came here because of a friend who said, come with me to my church, Alan Watkins. And he introduced me to two ladies that I have claimed to be my mothers. He was saying, I think Bav knows you. That's my mother. I said, no, that's not your mother. That's my mother. So I almost had a fight this morning because he's trying to claim my mother. That's my mother. Yes, I told Alan I've got two mothers in this region, and I mean it. I, I was raised a Muslim. I'm a first-generation Christian. And, uh, and my parents don't know the God I know, but I found mothers in Zion. When I look at them, they encourage me, they pray for me. I'm serious about this. She is my mother. They took me out for a breakfast, and uh, she looked at me and said, Lady, I see something. I said, say it. said, I see a platform for you in Delaware. I'll call you back. She called me to cut the whole story short, connected me with Delmas. I went preached for Delmas. He was not even in the church. The next thing, I meet this gentleman with his father there. Here I am. It's divine connections. How many believe in divine connections? If God wants to bless you, you put someone in your life. And if the enemy wants to mess you too, he'll put someone in your life. So I believe God is knitting hearts together for kingdom assignments. So I'm not here for anything, but I know my assignment and Clayton and his dad and you as a church God is connecting us for something great and something bigger that he's about to do. I remember uh, Genesis chapter 49 where Jacob said, bring all the sons of Jacob together that I may tell them what must take place in the latter days. God is bringing us together to announce what he's about to do. There's going to be an explosion. There's going to be an awesome move of God on the earth. And it's going to take all of us to fight as one team. And I believe I'm here to just stand together in agreement with what God is doing. I believe this is a great house. I said, this is a great house. And, and you guys, you are sitting under one of those imaging fathers in this nation. And God is about to surprise you. I said, God is about to surprise you. Because... This is before the beginning. But watch God. They say in business, watch this space. Because I believe, Clayton, you make the kingdom of God to look beautiful. And I'm not saying this because I'm standing here. I'm not saying this to please you. When I met you the first time, I saw the father heart of God. And, and that's who you are. 
Age does not matter, but you represent God in a way that I said, I wish I could know this man better. Because it just, I mean, was so clear to me that you are one of those kingdom representatives that God is raising as a father. By the way, I've written some few books here, as you said. One of them, it's called Sons Building on the Father's Vision. In that book, I spoke of David and Solomon. Solomon began to build a, a, a temple. And he said, after he finished building the temple, it took about 15 years. A lot of people were involved in constructing that building. And when he was dedicating the building, he used these words, it was in my father's heart to build a house for God. He did not say, I'm smart, I'm better than anybody else, but he said, it took my father to enable me to build this house. And when he finished, look at the whole story short, the glory of the Lord came and filled the temple. Is it possible that when we build according to the pattern of heaven, the glory of the Lord will be our reward? So I see this house as a glory house. I see this house as a house that is built according to the blueprint of heaven. When I stepped in here, the presence of God was so thick that I just said, God, what are you doing here? So I can stand here, let me prophesy and say the glory of God is all over this place and is about to explore this work beyond your imagination. No ear has heard, no eye has seen what he has in store for you. The culture of the sound that is coming from this place is going to bring transformation to this region. Get ready, for you will be on demand in this house and in that house. You will export what you have. When I came here the first time, this gentleman here, who is my brother, was teaching here, and I saw him in platforms beyond where he is right now. And what God is doing is raising a generation next. And when I saw you and your dad, I saw the DNA of your dad, and I also want to claim him to be my father. Because, I, I mean, I'm a father, mother, stealer. I don't care because <laughs> when I see something in somebody that I want, I mean, this is my first time to be connected with people of this caliber. I'm just saying this before I preached, or I'm supposed to preach. Let's turn our Bibles. <laughs> Let's turn our Bibles to the book. I'm going to do a Sunday school kind of a thing because I'm just overwhelmed. When your wife was worshiping, I said, man, I wish I can just export this to my church because I love worship. Are you okay with my accent so far? Are you all right? Okay, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Oh, I feel the presence of God all over. It's just so all over. Amen. Mm. I'm going to do a familiar scripture so that I don't get myself charged with, you know, doctrine stuff. <laughs> Psalms chapter 1, verses 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, May God bless his word or the reading of his word. I want to speak about three things that are mentioned in this verse or in this particular chapter of the book of Psalms. 
if I may use for a title, let me just call it finishing speed. Can you prophesy that to your neighbor? Finishing speed. How many believe that God wants us to do what he wants us to do and he wants us to do it now? How many believe that whatever God has called you to do, there's no time to procrastinate. This is time for you to do what God wants you to do. And I believe what God has called you for, it's going to happen in such a time that you never thought it would happen because God is bringing you into the fast lane. There will be no more delays in your life, no more procrastinations because God is up to something. In this subchapter, we hear of the walkers. He said, blessed is the man that walketh not on the counsel of the ungodly. I call that first category the walkers. Why? Because there are certain people that are walking instead of running. But I believe God wants us to do what he's calling us to do in a hurry because if we don't do what he has called us to do in a hurry there may be no time Jesus is coming and there's so many people that need to come into encounter with him and you came into the kingdom of God in such a time like this because he wants to do something through your life this first category is called the walkers he said blessed is the man that walketh not in the council of the ungodly. Oh, God help me. Some people are not in a hurry to do what God is calling them to do. They all speak about tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, I don't think we have much time left. I don't know about here. South Africa is facing persecution. The Church of Jesus the Christ is facing persecution. They are just passing laws now to start teaching sex education to our little ones. And they are saying we must marry whoever comes and if we don't, they will arrest us. So I believe time to do the work of God is now and we must do it in a hurry. Uh, Amos, the prophet said in Amos chapter 6 verse 1, War unto them that are at ease in Zion. The walkers are those that are saying, we'll do it tomorrow. But let me tell you something. This is a time to pray like we've never prayed before. This is a time to seek the face of the Lord like we've never sought it before. Because if we do not, uh, the enemy is going to take advantage. Uh, I always say this. Our number one enemy is not Satan. Our number one enemy is ignorance. The Bible says, my children are being destroyed because of what? Lack of knowledge. What we don't know gives the enemy some advantage. But we need to have an understanding of what is before us that the enemy wants to take us out, but we are not going to be at ease in Zion. The second category, however, is those that are standers. There are certain people that we should divorce ourselves from walking with, because, uh, as I said, it's important who you walk with. It's important who you connect yourself with. Because uh, uh, it starts by walking with them. 
and, and, and there are certain people in your life that you need to disconnect with. You are like the ones that you spend most of your time with. The Bible says when, um, when Saul came into the company of the prophets, he was changed into another man. So association brings transformation. There are certain things that we pick up because of who we spend our time with. We just came from a gathering of fathers. We were, I mean, just being blessed with the presence of God. I mean, I felt encouraged. I felt challenged. I felt charged. Why? Because your company determines who you're going to become. If you want to become a winner, spend time with winners. If you want to be a gossiper, spend time with the gossipers. If you want to be full of the gospel, spend time in the gospel. So you are like the ones you spend time with. But it begins with walking. And as you walk, you start standing with them. I call those standers. So be careful who you're standing with. Because as you stand with them, the next thing is you'll be sitting with them. And, and, and God is looking for the third category that I want to really talk about today. It's not the walkers. It's not the standers. But it's those that I call the runners. I say the runners. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, it says, Therefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth is so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us. We need to run with patience. In other words, we need to run without sin. Because what God is about to do through our lives it requires consecration. We're not just coming to church to warm the benches. We're not just coming to church to just be a member of the church. Because religion is not what we are up, up, up for. We are called to be children of the Most High God, to represent God. I always say the word religion means serving God without revelation. There is a group of people that Paul came into contact with. They were worshiping to the unknown God. But I want to worship the God I know. I want to represent the God I have a relationship with. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Religion disappointed me. I was raised in religion. But Christ transformed me. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, there is transformation that comes with it. So, we must run without sin. There's a rest that is before us, and we must run it very patiently. How we run determines how we're going to finish. Because it's not how many are running. It's how many are going to finish. I want to finish this rest that is before me. I don't know about you. I want to run and finish. And as I said, we mustn't run with sin. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says, Know ye not that which run in a race, run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. So I don't just want to run. I want to run so that one day I'll receive the crown. There is a prize that is before us. We are not just running. I don't want to run in vain. So I mustn't run with sin. I mustn't run uh, with those that I'm not supposed to run with. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, from verse 17, there is an interesting story of David. I love David. I've written a book called David, God's Main Man. David is being given an assignment by his father. And Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now this Thy, take now for thy brethren an offer of this perched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brother and carry these ten cheese and unto the captain for, thy, for their thousand and look how thy brother are faring. Take their pledge. Jesse was sending David to his brothers. God have mercy on me. You're too quiet on me in Africa. We say amen. <laughs> Don't scare me now. Oh, God. David said, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Jesse said to David, I want you to take uh, this bread to your brethren. Clayton, I'll say this to you. And I'll say it nicely. You have bread that God has given you. You are going to share break bread with many brethren. This house has bread that God has given. And this bread is for a generation. Jesse is the type of God. God have mercy on us. The church is first and foremost apostolic. The word apostolic means a saint one. So Jesse is sending David. David is the type of the church. We are the Davidic generation. And David was told to run to the camp and go and break this bread. He'll go and bring this bread to his brothers and you know what happened afterwards. He came into the camp and his brother tried to resist him and when he tried to resist him because he was sent by his father. When God has sent you, no one can resist you. I want to prophesy that those that used to resist you in the days gone by will not stop the assignment that God has given you. And when God sent you, he sent you with a portion for someone. The whole story goes like, it was on the 39th day when, God, when Jesse sent David to check on his brother. 39, one day shy from 40. 40 speaks of a generation. If we do not run with what God has given us, we are going to lose a generation. I said we are going to lose a generation. There is a provision that God is releasing to the body of Christ to save a generation because the enemy wants to wipe a generation. Goliath is a representative of the system that is designed to kill and to destroy the generation next. 
But God is raising a sound that will save a generation. God is raising a David that is going to go and bring down the Goliaths of our time so that this generation can be saved. And this is what God is doing. He is saying, run. In other words, we must do it fast. We, if David had walked, he was not going to make it on time. If David had said, I'll stay for another day, he was not going to make it on time. But when he arrived, Goliath was about to take over the whole nation. But when David came, not only did he come, he came with a strategy that all of them did not have. Get ready for divine strategies that God is going to bring you so that you can navigate and bring the gospel to those that are about to be taken out. I'm not talking about preaching the gospel on this podium because church is not where we gather. Church is where we scatter. God is raising some devils to go into the marketplace. God is raising a David to go where we scatter because we don't spend most of our time in a Sunday service. We spend most of the time in the secular world where it matters the most. Some will be sent to the parliament. Some will be sent west. Some will be sent north. Some will be sent south. God is raising some Davids of our time to save a generation. They know how to fight. They've been fighting. They know how to, to hear from God because God has been training some Davids behind the scenes. Get ready because God is raising a faceless generation. They might not have heard about you. You may not have come out of the system. They know, but God is saying, you are my David. You are my David that I'm sending to run with the gospel, to run and go and save a generation. When David arrived there, there were some people that resisted him like his brother. But let me tell you something. When God has sent you, he has sent you for a reason. Let me put it this way. The whole story goes when David finally defeated Goliath. A song was released that said, David has killed his what? 10,000 and Saul has killed. There is a sound that is coming out of this house. I will prophesy now. A sound that will identify with a generation. A sound that will be like the Hillsong, Bethel. I'm talking about a sound that will come out of here because when God brings a, 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 or a Beth is a new work, it's always accompanied with a sound. When John Wessel came, he came with the hymns that we know. Every movement has a sound. So I hear sounds that are coming from this house. Can I talk to somebody here? <laughs> oh, God. You're too quiet for me. I'm, I'm used to preach, brother. Preach, brother. <laughs> but when you're just quiet on me, I say, no, what am I doing here? It's like I'm Mr. Bean. You're just watching me, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to say something, huh? I mean, give me some sign that at least you're hearing me, you know? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, Mr. Bean, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying, but just, just look at you. Am I okay? I was in Australia. The Chinese people are worse than you guys. They just look at you. <laughs> Man, what have I done? Am, am I saying with an accent? I know I've got an accent. All of us have an accent. Let's continue. All right. <laughs> oh, God. He said, run. Uh, uh, and when he came to that place, believe me. Uh, he went there because God had an assignment mm, with his life. 
This was his response when he was resisted by his brother. He said, is there no, not a cause? Can I put it this way? Run with a cause. Am I here? Know why you are running. Don't run in vain. Develop a strategy for what God has placed inside you. We call it vision. Run with a vision. The Bible speaks in the book of Habakkuk that write the vision so that those that read can run. What is vision? Vision is a mental, a clear mental picture that God gives to his servants based upon accurate understanding of self, circumstances, and God. I'll repeat that. What is vision? Vision is a clear mental picture that God gives to his servants or to his children based upon a clear understanding of self and circumstances and God. In other words, you must know your surrounding as well as yourself and you must have a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can never have vision. Because Paul, when he was answering to King Agrippa, when he was on trial for preaching the gospel, he said to King Agrippa, I was not going to be ignorant to the heavenly vision. In other words, vision begins with God. When you have God, you have vision. And there must be a personal vision in order for you to fit in a corporate vision. Some people are difficult to work with in a corporate vision because they have not yet developed a personal vision. So in order for you to work with others, you must have a personal vision. Because if you can fulfill a personal vision, it's easy to fit in a corporate vision. Because most of us, uh, we find it difficult to just pursue our own personal vision. So if you know your own personal vision, nothing is going to distract you. If we go back to this whole story is David did not just take off home and started running. He ran because he was assigned by his father. You did not come into this world by your own. Before you entered in your mother's womb, God knew you. Before you were born, God assigned you. Before you were born, God appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. There are some things that are only going to be rooted out, that are going to be pulled out by you. That's why you have a unique signature. Your fingerprint is unique. Your looks are unique. You are who you are because God wanted you to be here. Of course, you may refer yourself as a person who was born by Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. They were just careers of what came from God because the Bible says little children you are from God so you came from God you were with God before you showed up here you have an assignment to fulfill you were born to fulfill certain things and no one else is going to fulfill those things one preacher once said the richest place in the world is not the gold mines the, 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 the New York Stock Exchange it's the grave because in the grave, some people are lying there that never fulfilled what they were born for. Don't die loaded. Empty everything that God has called you for. You must fulfill your assignment while you are alive. You have to fulfill what God has called you for. So when David's brother came to him and said, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be taking care of the ship back home. He said, my brother, is there not a cause? I'm not just running in vain. My father have sent me here. So you and I, we are not just running. We are here because we are sent once. 
We are here because God has released us. You are not in that company just to fulfill the assignment of your CFO or a CEO. You are there because God wants you. Yes, you want the paycheck, but you, you are more than the paycheck. You are there to bring a culture, a transformation that while you are there, that company will survive and will make profit because of you. Do you remember that when Joseph was sold by his brother, when he went to Potiphar's house, everything in Potiphar's house prospered. Did you know that that you're coming into this region has transformed and changed lives? Do you know your participation in your school, in your college will bring changes to the people's lives? Let me tell you this. Get ready for your children's kindergarten or your, your children's schools will be transformed because of your children. Get ready because you are not just there to just be, I mean, warming some benches. You are there to bring a transformation. This world needs you and me. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name, we are God's people that are called by God's name to bring in change. Can I talk to somebody? I'm, I'm trying, bro. I'm trying. Oh, God. Okay. All right. All right. Let's, let me, let me. So, he said, is there not a cause? So, you must run with a cause, run with a vision. There's an interesting story as well that I was just reading this morning, found in the second books, book of Samuel, chapter 18, verse 21. There was a man called Cush who was part of David's army during the time when Absalom was doing whatever he was doing, rebelling against his father. Then said Job to Cush, go tell the king that what has sinned, and Cush bowed himself unto Job and ran. You know the story if you go to that chapter. Joab was about to go and announce the death of Absalom. There was a news reporter known as Ahimahaz. He was the man that was always sent to go and share the news or break the news. He was the CNN or the Fox of the time. So this time he says, must I go and tell the king? Job said, you are not going this time because the king's son is dead. And he said, please let me go because he was an experienced news reporter, fake news. <laughs> so he just wanted to run and tell the king something because he was used to this, you know what I'm saying? But nevertheless, Kush was an inexperienced reporter who had the first-hand information of what had transpired. So Joab said, Kush, you are going this time. So he started running. He was not a fast runner, but Ahima has insisted that I also want to go. So he outran Kush and arrived and King David says, tell me what happened. He had no news ready. Can I talk to somebody here? God is raising some inexperienced runners, but they have a message. Can I talk like that? Because sometimes if you want to look at your experience, it's not about your experience. It's not about your qualification. God calls you not based on your qualification. He qualifies the called. As long as he has called you, you are qualified enough. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
What causes you to be a witness is the Holy Ghost in you. Do we have the Holy Ghost in this house? As long as you have the Holy Ghost, don't say I'm young. Don't say I don't have experience. So Cushai ran without experience, but he was an eyewitness of what has happened. We should not just come to church because it's nice. You must have a first-hand experience. The Bible says, you shall be my witnesses. That word, the witness means you must be willing to die for what you believe. The word witness comes from the word matter. You will be killed, you'll be resisted, but as long as you've known the Lord, you'll be willing to go all the way. So Cushai reigned as he was instructed by the commander, just like David reigned because his father sent him. Run with a message. Don't run without a message. And you can never be a messenger without a message. Do you have a personal relationship with this God we're talking about? Because if we have a personal relationship with the God we're talking about, you have something to say. You have a personal message that you can relate to somebody and then he'll be willing to really come on board because you know what you're talking about. So run with a message. Kusha ran because he had a message that he had received or he had a command that he was given by the commander to say run. Some of us run and we don't know who is sending us. I've had people who come and stand up and say, thus says the Lord, when the Lord is hearing it for the first time. They say, did, did I really say that? God doesn't even know about it. I mean, I bump into some fake prophets. I bumped into some petty prophets. You ask yourself, what are you saying? He said, I see you, you know, riding on a on a Cinderella, and the Lord says, you will enjoy. Come on, where did you get that from? But you need to hear because you have a relationship with the Lord. Amen. You must run with a message. Run with provision. And I wanted to say this with all my heart. Run with assurance. Jesus said, go in therefore and preach the gospel. That's uh, Matthew chapter 28. And he said, Lo, I am with you until the end of the age. The word go is a word which is an apostolic terminology. We are sent and he has assured us that he will be with us. He will not send you where he doesn't go. He will accompany us everywhere he goes with us. You came and whispered to me the testimony of uh, the first couple that were dedicating their child. It reminded me my story. My first child, Shakina, did not make it after five days. And God later on gave us our daughter who is at Bethel now, Shalom, anointed to the bone. She loves God. She preaches good. And when they were reading that scripture and dedicating that child, I just saw God doing something in the life of that child beyond where we are. 
Because when God sends you, he will go with you. And we are sent by God to run. There are some things that he's going to do very quickly. And what you are called for is bigger than what you are seeing right now. And it's going to be a quick work. I feel that God is putting some of you in a fast track. You say, but I've waited for a long time. I haven't seen this for a long time. But God is saying, this is a different time. This is going to be a different season. Watch God in this next season that we're entering in. For our church, God told me that 2020 is going to be the year of clear vision. It's going to be a year of total triumph. Because God is going to cause us to enter into places where we're going to triumph. There's things that the enemy tried to hold back from us. But this season, God is saying, I'm going to allow you to excel. Acceleration will be your portion. Some of you who have children that have not given their lives to the Lord, God is bringing realignment. He's bringing your children back home. Your family is going to be realigned. God is bringing healing into your life like never before because he's calling us to a place of total restoration. And this is the time we are living in. We are living in a time that is so exciting. And when I was meditating, I said, God, what am I going to share with your children? He said to them, to me, go and share with them about what I'm about to do. It's going to be a quick work. And don't measure yourself with the church next door. Because the size of your church is not measured by number. Measure yourself with the size of the church you belong to. We don't belong to a denomination. We belong to the body of Christ. How big is the body of Christ? Am I talking to somebody? We are in the kingdom of God, not in a denomination. So our church has no walls. If Jesus is your Lord, you are my brother and I'm part of that church. And that church cannot be measured by our eyes. You cannot put or put a measuring stick on what God is about to do because God is calling us to a place that is bigger and greater. Am I talking to someone here? Am I talking to someone here? So I really feel today that there is a cause. What God has called you to do is exactly like what David was called to do. What was God call, David called to do? He was called to replace that which had failed. Saul was appointed by democracy. He was, what is democracy? Democracy is the will of the people by the people of the people to the people of the people of the people of the people. It's democratic election. But David was a man after God's own heart. Can I talk like that? We are elected by the election of grace. We are not saved by our works. God brought us here. But you always bring us where others have failed. Delma said, you cannot have a David without having a soul. So soul failed so that David can excel. So where others have failed, we are not going to fail. Where we had shame, God is going to give us fame. For every shame 
Get ready for a celebration beyond your imagination. Because where we are going to be at is a bigger and better place. Why? Because we are a Davidic generation. David was an Old Testament man, but he had a New Testament revelation. God said, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David had non-stop worship. God is looking for those that worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, what we are called for is to represent God, to become the visible manifestation of the invisible God, that whoever we come across to will be transformed. We must live this life with eternity in view. We are not of this world, even though we are in this world. We are from God. And if we are from God, we represent God. So everything that we're going to do is going to be greater. So David had this revelation that he began to build a tabernacle that God said. There was a tabernacle of Moses, a tabernacle of Solomon, that God said, I will restore the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David represent worship. It represent uh, uh, the kingdom of God. So we are that generation that God is allowing to represent God because God said, this is a man after my own heart. I want to announce to you that God loves you unconditionally. Your past will not stop God from doing what he wants to do. David had many failures, but God said, this is my man after my own heart. Am I talking to someone here? The word David means the beloved. David was born in Jerusalem. And Jesus also was born in Jerusalem. David defeated Goliath. Jesus defeated Satan. David was from the root of Jesse, from this, was the son of Jesse. Jesus is from the root of Jesse. And you find that Jesus is the greater David. So we represent that greater. Jesus said you do greater works than this. So we are about to see the restoration of the tabernacle of David in a greater way. Where I sense while I stand here that this is like the house of David. And the house of David reigns forever. There's royalty in this place. I said there's royalty in this place. We're going to rule and reign in life. There is no power, there is no bondage that is going to limit what God is about to do. Because David was able to do what he was supposed to do. And the Bible says he finished his work in his generation and he went to sleep. We were called to finish what we began. We are not going to abort. Nothing will act allow us to abort. There will be no embargoes. There will be no, no roadblocks that will stop us from fulfilling what he's called us for. Can I talk like that? Can I talk like that? David finished his work in his generation because God said this is a man after my own heart. We remember when Jesus was baptized, right? When he came out of the water, the voice was heard from heaven. This is my beloved son. In whom I'm well pleased. Why was God pleased with Jesus? Because he did not announce himself. Even though he knew he was a son, he waited for the father to announce him. Can I talk to somebody here? 
God is going to announce us. God is going to introduce us to this world. Because the devil has no clue on what's coming. He made a big blunder by not killing you last year. You are the devil's worst nightmare coming. Just tell your neighbor, you don't know who you are sitting next to. You don't know who you're not sitting next to. Because what God is about to do with you and with me has not yet been seen. The Bible says, no ear has heard, no eye has seen. Come and believe what I'm talking about. I sense God saying, get ready for a move of God that has never been seen. I'm not talking about the anointing. I'm talking about the movement of the glory. It's a glory movement. You can't define it. You can't describe it. It has never been heard. It's, it's more than any revival that you've ever heard. And he's causing it to happen because of the time we are living in. Heaven is invading earth. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Get ready even for the release of anything that you use to bind. Because in this season it will bind no more. Get ready for people getting healed without you laying hands on them. Get ready for situations being just changed without you doing anything. Because when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about the holy of holies. We have seen faith, we have seen the anointing, but this is a movement of the glory of God. And in this movement of the glory of God, all of us, we are welcome. It's not going to be the pastors and other people excluded. You are going to be part of what God is doing on the earth. Am I talking to someone here? Am I talking to someone here? Get ready for an explosion beyond your imagination. So if I was going to be really honest with you, when I woke up this morning, I felt if I had a towel and water, I was going to wash your feet. Yes, sir. If I had that, that's what I was going to do because you have pioneered, sir, and you've gone to places, sir, and I want to salute you as a general in the army of God that what you bathed and what you began is going to see many generations, me included, because you've passed on the baton to a generation that is going to be victorious. Just like David, you have raised the Davids. I see many Davids here. And some of you have no clue. I see you standing on platforms you have no clue. I'm talking about millions of people that are waiting for what you carry just because you came here. This is a platform that God has allowed to usher people, to release people into greater destinies. And it's because you obeyed God. Those feet of yours have walked with God. And those feet of yours, I, I felt that's what I was going to do. I'm just coming from a hotel, but I wanted to really wash those feet and say, Sir, I want to say, I bless God for your life. When I see you, I see a father in the kingdom of God that is 
I don't know how to describe your heart and your, your obedience to God. God says, I'm well pleased with you. And your prayers that you have prayed, you see them in your lifetime. Yes, there is going to be many that will be ushered into the kingdom of God because of what you've done. Places you've gone, you'll hear phone calls. You'll hear people saying, it is because you came. And here you are standing in a foreign land and doing what God has called you to do. And we are standing here because of your obedience. And get ready. You are sitting. Oh, come on, talk to me. Come on, talk. Don't scare me now. Don't scare me now. The Bible says how good and how pleasant it is for what? For brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like what? The oil that runs from what? Aaron's head. Come on. There must be an Aaron for there to be an anointing. Come on. It's called headship anointing. I'm going to say it one more time. This side. God have mercy. God have mercy on me. Listen to this. Aaron was the high priest. And he said, as the oil that runs out of what? Aaron said, unto his beard. Beard speaks of maturity. You cannot receive from the head unless you are matured. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And how long was Aaron's beard? How long was Aaron's beard? It's a question. It's in that same chapter, up to the what? To the feet of his garment. So when you submit to headship, you will have an overflow to your feet of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. When that woman who touched the helm, where does anointing come? From the helm. It flows from the head to the helm of the garment. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, let me put it this way. If you do not honor headship anointings, you will not flow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Honor is the currents of heaven. Did I say it right? I said honor is the currents of whatever you want to receive from heaven, you must apply honor. Yes, the Ten Commandments speaks of honor. Six of them speaks of honoring man and four of them speaks of honoring God. Satan was, off, was fired from heaven because of dishonoring. And I don't mess around with honoring. If I see honorable people, I honor them for who they are. What is honor? Honor is the ability to, uh, to acknowledge those that brings change into your life and honor them for the change they bring. Some people have brought honor in your life, but you have never acknowledged them. Do you know what we are good at? We are good at honoring people when they are dead, when they are no more. You speak good things when they are dead, you don't speak it in their lifetime. And I'm given to this. My culture says, when you see honor, you honor. You saw honor, you reap honor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if you sit under an iron, the anointing will flow. It's like what? The, the, the oil that runs down from what? Aaron's head. Is that right? Aaron's head. Uh, 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 and he says it's like the Jew of Haman, right? It's like the Jew of Haman. Have you, have you ever noticed that the Jew of Haman uh, uh, that runs through the, what? the mountains of Zion? Okay? Haman and Mount Zion are neighbors. And Haman is the tallest mountain 
I said, Hermon is the tallest mountain, and Mount Zion is beneath Mount Hermon. So you don't need to be Mount Hermon to receive the overflow. Can you stand together with him? Just stand, the two of you. Stand together. Just join your hands. Uh, yeah, at least there's an advantage. You see, he's taller than him, right? <laughs> you, you see, he, he's, tall, he's taller than him. You see what I'm saying? So if Mount Zion, he's Mount Zion and he's Mount Hermon. So what happens with Mount Hermon? It receives Jew. And that Jew runs to Mount Zion. Like the Jew of Hermon that runs to what? To Mount Zion. But Mount Zion does not have to be taller than Mount Hermon. It just has to be connected to what? To Mount Zion. To Mount Hermon and that Jew. In the morning, Mount, Mount Zion is full. It's green. It's, it's watered. Why? Because the water is flowing from what? From the, like the oil that runs from Aaron's head unto the garments of his feet. It's like the Jew of Hermon that runs to Mount Zion. So Mount Zion just needs to connect with Mount Hermon and the flow goes. Amen. Every mountain, beneath every mountain, there is a river. And every river leads to the sea. Am I talking to somebody? Am I talking to somebody? So Mount Hermon receives the Jew. It releases it to Mount Zion. And Mount Zion releases to the river and it flows. Get ready to go to shows you have never been to because of honor. Am I still at home? I said because of what? Of honor. Yes, yes, because of honor. It's like the Jew of Hammon that flows. That flows. God have mercy. God have mercy. I, I feel that there is a connection in what I'm saying. Those that want to run must know who to connect with. Because the houses that God connects you with you are the houses that releases you to where you're going. Because some of you just came here to receive what is called an impartation for what God has in store for you. Don't delay God by dishonoring. Am I still in the house? Solomon prayed for wisdom, and God says, I'll give you riches and honor. When you receive wisdom, you'll honor, and you'll be rich. Am I still at home? Am I still at home? You know the story of uh, Jabez. The Bible says his name meant, what is the meaning of the name Jabez again? But born in pain. But the Bible says he was honorable above all his brothers. He was honorable. He walked in honor until what his name meant was canceled. Am I talking to somebody? So honor can cancel what you had not received by birth. His mother gave him birth in pain. But he said, God, bless me indeed. Expand my territory. So if you walk in honor, your territory is going to be expanded. Some people will walk in dishonor because they don't know how to attract honor. Receive those God has put in your life. And you walk in honor. And honor is not in words. Honor has action. You cannot say I honor you by mouth. 
there must be an act. That's why I was talking about washing your feet. There must be an act of honor. You can't just say, honor you. What is your action? Show it by your actions. If you're going to honor your pastor, honor him indeed, not just in words. Because the people that you dishonor will never forget it for a long, long time. If you dishonor somebody, he will forgive you, but you will not forget it for a long, long time. You remember what happened to the queen who was fired and Esther was married to a king because the king just wanted her to dance. She said no, and they said that's it. She was divorced because of dishonoring. So get ready to walk in honor because what we are talking about here is going to give you speed, acceleration beyond your imagination. Can we please stand up? There's an open heaven as I speak to you, a really open heaven. It's like you're sitting in a restaurant. You can order what you want right now. I've spoken a lot of things. I didn't want to come here and give you a sermon. Clayton is an excellent teacher. We have excellent teachers here. I just came to be in agreement. Most of the things I spoke here today was prophetic. I just want to raise your hands and begin to receive from God. I want to just declare the word of the Lord uh, as I pray with you. Father, we are standing in your presence. You are looking for runners. Your word says, who shall go for us? You are looking for somebody who is willing to run. To run this race with provision. To run this race for a generation. To run this race as instructed. To run like Cushai ran when he came to King David. He was able to release the word because he had a witness. Make us eyewitnesses of what you're doing on the earth. I call upon your name today in this house. I thank you for what you're doing with this house. I thank you for many sons that you are raising in this house. Prophetic voices that you are releasing in this house. Teachers, evangelists, workers of miracles, deliverance workers entrepreneurs, billionaires that you are releasing in this house. I thank you, Father, for children that you are raising in this house that are sitting under this anointing. Let it flow. Let there be an overflow beyond our imagination. I pray today in the name of Jesus the Christ that, Father, invade the hearts of each and every one of us and cause us to love you more. So you're going to come and release something here. You're going to come and release. Yes, you're going to come and release. Speak as a father to us. Speak as a father to this generation. We need what you have. Maybe before you speak to everybody, I want to kneel down. Please play for me. Father, we... We acknowledge that all that is happening and all that has happened is a work of your hand. It's not a work of man, Father. It's a work of your hand. It's a work of your grace. It's a work of your favor. It's a work that overflows out of the love of your heart. 
work of mercy. And we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of walking in it, of experiencing it, of seeing it. I thank you for this man. Thank you for the words that have come through him. Even as of my hands on him, Lord. Let your favor not only rest upon him, but let your favor overflow. Let the glory of who you are not only rest on his shoulders, but let it flow from who he is. Of who you are in him, in him. Thank you for the truth that has come forth from him. Thank you for the nuggets of truth that you've deposited. Thank you for the affirmation of your word through your servant. Thank you for the declaration of your intentions. Bless this man even as he goes forth from this place and as he puts his feet on many continents, many cities, villages, towns. Allow your glory to continue to flow not only through him, but in him. We thank you for the many sons that are going to come forth, the many daughters that are going to come forth. We thank you, Father, for those that will see your vision and take hold of it and run with it. Run with purpose, run with determination. And so I bless your lady, I bless you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. And then, Father, we thank you for, I thank you for every man, woman, child, and family. that went forth will not be stolen but it will bear the fruit and the abundance of the fruit for which it was sent.
Father, we acknowledge again this is a work of your hand. Let no man let no man put his hand upon it. It is a work of your hand, God. And we acknowledge that and we thank you for it. We thank you for it. It's an incredible privilege, Father, to be part of it. And we bless what you are doing. And we bless the explosion of what you're doing. And we bless all that you've said is going to happen, Lord. We thank you for it in anticipation. Even as your son, Father, blessed the loaves and the fishes and it multiplied. And so we bless and we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn to somebody and say, bless you.